Hey guys, what's up? Seth and Mike here on Modern Da Vinci. In this podcast today, we want to talk about how to get the most out of your business travel. Uh, for some of you guys, we know you spend a lot of time doing that, a lot of money, a lot of energy and effort. So how do you make it as painless as possible, get the most value out of your time? Are there little tricks uh, you can use to make it more enjoyable? And uh, if you get yourself in a bad spot, what might you do uh, to get yourself out of it when things go wrong? And specifically today, we want to talk about flying. So, uh, Mike, uh, I think both you and I over the years have logged some serious travel time <laughs> and uh, have had some good experiences, but a lot of bad, possibly funny, but painful, uh, mostly experiences. Any come to mind for you that uh, as a way to kick this off, we can look at some of the ways that this can really go wrong? Painful flying. The most painful flying experience I can remember was actually a, a, a borderline disaster <laughs> where... We were about to take off. We were going full speed down the runway, and the front wheels came up off of the ground, and the pilot hit full brakes, and we came sliding to a stop. I don't know if we were sliding. That's maybe an exaggeration, but we were ready to take off, and he stopped that plane right at the end of the runway and turned the thing around, said a master alarm went off, and uh, we had to... It, so it just wasted you know, 30 minutes of our time taxiing again, Everybody was on edge completely. Um, and scared the crap out of everybody on the airplane, too. everybody, including myself. Uh, and we were just flabbergasted. Nobody knew what to do. We didn't know if we were going to try and take off again. We didn't know what was going on. So we just wasted time. We got back to the gate, and uh, it was just a mad rush to the customer service department to, for some people, uh, you know, try and make the most of it and tell them how traumatized they were and, and try and get money out of the experience. And for the rest of us, just trying to figure out how we rebook our flights and, and get to where we were trying to go. <laughs> so they traumatized you and then they left you still trying to figure out how to get, you know, to your ultimate destination. Exactly. I, uh, so that's a scary one. Um, I don't know if I have any quite that scary, but I definitely have some uh, inconvenient ones. I happened to be traveling through Denver the day, I think it was two years ago, and it made national headlines when all of United Systems went down. So there were thousands of people, with Denver being a massive United hub, just standing around clueless. Uh, flights were all being canceled. I mean, they were trying. They were shuffling crews around. Um, it was unbelievable. And so uh, the customer service line for anybody who's actually been in the Denver terminal and knows, you know, they're very long terminals. Yeah. yeah. Um, the customer service line ran down the entire terminal. I've never seen anything quite <laughs> like it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't just uh, a quarter mile. It, it was insane. And, um, you know, just the, the feeling of helplessness of, you know, here I am trying to get, in that case, I was just trying to get home after a week, you know, trying to get home to the family. Uh, you know, business emails stacking up, feeling the pressure of getting back to work. But just how am I even going to get home? Um, that one was a nightmare. And I've been through a couple of those. I just told you just a week or two ago, I spent six hours waiting for a flight that never took off and eventually had to uh, ditch the trip and just go home and figure out a workaround. That so was unbelievable. It can be brutal. So let me ask you this. I mean, you know, one of the main things I think we wanted to talk about was planning to fly. 
right? Yeah. And so, you know, you're a business owner, you've got a lot of things on your mind, and there's this balance that you're trying to strike, right? You need to get somewhere. There's a reason why you need to be there and you need to be there on time. At the same time, you don't want to waste a whole day traveling and flying right. in order to, you know, get there so early, whatever. Right. How do you, when you look at those, how do you try to make those kinds of decisions? I, well, I have a family, so I have to really balance that aspect of it. Um, I don't like to spend an entire day flying when I could be here at home working and then, you know, even to go out uh, working from home, get uh, coffee and hug the kids and all of that stuff. So I try to fly out as late as possible, although that has burned me and I can tell yeah, that story. Just a little bit, right. <laughs> yeah. So I've learned not to take the last flight out, especially if it's an important meeting, but I do try and take a later flight out so that I'm kind of maximizing my productivity during the day and at least getting some more time with the family at night. Um, and when I come home, uh, I used to do the red eyes. That's starting to get a little more painful now. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or I'm just getting burned out on it. But um, I do try and get back as, as quickly as possible so I'm not sightseeing uh, when I'm at places. And, and that could be a, a good thing or a bad thing. I've been to some really neat places before and haven't actually seen any of the city except from a cab. Uh, and so that's a little bit the sad. inside of your hotel room. Yeah. And the inside of the hotel room, yeah. So uh, direct flights is a big thing for me um, and I'm lucky to be near a United hub uh, in the Dulles uh, at the Dulles airport just taking a direct flight somewhere saves a tremendous amount of time on the layover and, and the connections and all of that um, and being at a bigger hub uh, I, I would even venture to drive a little bit further if I could get that direct flight because being at a bigger hub gives me more options as well um, and so I, I just highly recommend direct flights and finding the biggest hub you can without wasting a lot of time driving to that place if you need to sort of balance your time like I do. Yeah. Well, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of variables there. I mean, so what I hear you saying is your strategy is take the second last, second to last flight out so you can spend, you know, the, the, the day, the travel day is minimized, right? Yeah. So it's basically the second to last. So you have a bailout strategy, right? Exactly. And then it's really the first possible flight home, except maybe if red eye is the only option. Now we're sec we're starting to look at that again. Cause I used to do the same thing and I've started to shift a little bit toward on the travel day, maybe not second to last, I may be willing to go early afternoon just for the peace of yeah. mind, knowing that there's going to be backup plans, maybe alternate flights. And I usually will look and make sure, you know, I'm not just hoping there's alternate flights. You know, I'll usually look and do research online, know what the options are. Right. Um, and on the I have started to gravitate away from the red eyes, although I will also say being I'm doing a lot of West Coast work right now, living on the East Coast. There, it's not like it's a. It's wonderful to have that six a.m. flight out to go home the next day, mm -hmm. because you're still getting up at four o'clock in the morning. You know, maybe returning a rental car. You know what I'm it's saying? I just did that the other way. day. I woke up at three forty-five in the morning for a six a.m. flight. Had to do a layover to get home from where I was. And so by the time I got back to our, you know, East Coast home at three thirty in the afternoon, I was pretty roughed up. You're wiped. And I don't know what, you know, it's just a, kind of the lesser of two evils, you know, take the red eye and get home at, you know, seven or nine o'clock in the morning and feel like crap or get home at three o'clock and feel, you know, a little less like crap. I think, I think it's six and one half dozen the other, honestly. I mean, you kind of burn a day either way. It's just, do you want to burn it flying on a plane or do you want to burn it sleeping in the morning when you get home? Right, you're sleeping. <laughs> and there's, I mean, you know, for the folks who can sleep comfortably on the plane, some people can. Um, I'm, I've gotten better at it just by necessity, but I'm still never, you know, catching full blown sleep. Yeah. Um, some of that depends on the seating and things like that, obviously, but you know, everybody I think has a different calculation in there, but I, I think one of the things we wanted to point out was one, 
when you look at the value of your time, people kind of do crazy things, right? They'll take a crazy connection or a layover to save a few bucks or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they schedule their flights, you know, uh, so that they've got all this time invested. And so I, I think one of our arguments was when you plan your flights, you do need to take into account that, yes, you know, connecting through Chicago in the winter might save you 100 or 200 bucks, but what's the value of your time? Because you've just put yourself at risk for delays and all sorts of issues. If you had it to do over again, would you rather take a direct and fly out a little later in the day? And even if that 200 bucks is coming out of your pocket, that's 200 bucks that has value in terms of not only your time, maybe being more productive, maybe with your family, just peace of mind has value too. The time is a big thing too, because when you're taking that connection, you're not actually in a position to be able to work. You're dragging bags through the airport. You're hustling with everybody else. Um, even if you do get a chance to sit down at a Starbucks or wherever, you're only getting a few minutes of work in while you're waiting for that connection to, to take off. So you're really, in my opinion, sort of wasting that time. Um, and granted, there's a there's a balance there too. If it's a thousand dollars and you're only gonna, you know, save an hour, maybe it's not worth it. But you should you should definitely look at that uh, as part of the puzzle because you are not really getting that time back. You're spent. Uh, you know, kind of wandering through the airport to your next gate and not really in a position to be productive, in my opinion. Yeah, you end up with three different scenarios. I mean, I had one the other day where I got off my first flight and literally walked straight to the second flight. I mean, and got straight in the boarding line and went on. That's great, right? I mean, that's a good feeling when you do that, except it comes with risk. If my earlier flight had been delayed even 10 minutes. And, minutes. and I was sweating because that early that morning... There was some people that, you know, needed extra assistance getting on the plane and I'm watching, you know, 10 minutes passed. And then we backed out and they said, oh, um, uh, we need to rebalance the plane a little bit. And they were asking people to move around. And I'm like, you know, I'm going, oh, man, <laughs> it's like exhausting. all this stuff is, you know, I'm waiting. Like, I'm like, we really need to take off. You know, fortunately, everything worked out. Literally deplaned, walked a couple, uh, you know, gates, got on the next flight, made it home. So it was pretty efficient, yeah. but it came with risk. The other side of the coin is on the way out, same trip, I had a three and a half hour layover in Houston, you know? And so I was able to, in some ways it was better than the one hour one where you get off and, you know, really can't set up and do anything. Then you've got some time to work. I worked actually, you know, yeah. if I had a place to go and set up and do some work and take yeah. some calls. So it was okay because it was planned in. Yeah. But uh, I think the point is, you know, when you plan your trip, your time is worth something and you should ask yourself, does a layover put me at risk? You know, am I um, spending a day that could otherwise be better spent? Because, you know, again, it takes a toll both personally, but in, in terms of your time. Yeah. And, we, you know, we had also, you know, kind of raised the question when you're booking, is first class ever worth it? What do you think about that? Do you ever pull the trigger on the old first class seat, even if it's out of your pocket? I have never done that. I've never done that before. Um, I'm starting to think about it more and more, uh, but mostly because I'm building up the miles to be able to pay for it without cash. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, when I do get bumped to first class, it's nice. I feel like uh, I can sleep a lot better. I can work a lot better, but I don't know. I've just never been able to, to pull it the trigger. It feels like a lot extravagant. It uh, feels a little bit like a too much of a, of a luxury. Now, um, I will say I do... 100% of the time get bumped up uh, to economy plus because of my status. So I feel like I have enough leg room and enough right. space to stretch out. I always get the aisle Give seats. Give you a couple extra inches for those, if, for the non, that, that's a United name it is for United, their premium yeah. economy, which just basically gets you a couple extra inches of leg room. Exactly. Possibly an outlet in some of the older planes 
only have outwards uh, outlets in the forward part of the cabin. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Other than that, you get nothing. Other than that, you get nothing. <laughs> yeah. United, uh, you know, at least first class, you get the wider seat, uh, in, and then you get some of the niceties like, you know, peanuts and, and drinks when you sit down and stuff like that. So it's just, it, it is a more pleasant and relaxed experience, but I've never been able to pull the trigger and actually, uh, upgrade myself. So lately I've been doing a little bit more of this and I'll, I'll give you my criteria for it. Uh, number one, if it's a flight, if the flight is under two and a half hours, I don't really see the point. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's when you go over a three hour flight that some of the perks really start to add up. Uh, I'll, I'll just kind of run through some of my thinking. If I'm, if I have a carry bag, it is nice boarding the plane early and being in first class and not having to worry about it, where that's going to go on. the That's airplane. a huge bonus. But you sit down, you're in your seat, you're relaxed. Nobody's really pushing on you as much, you know, while they board the plane. I mean, yeah, everybody's kind of, depending on the plane, sometimes they're coming through the first class cabin. Sure. But you're kind of more at peace, so it's a little more relaxing. Usually, there's time to do some work or even take a call. There you're is. You're be sitting there for 30 minutes. There least, is. Right? You boarded. Um, and it's a con- kind of controlled setting. Yeah. Um, you want to have a drink? Okay, they'll serve you a drink before you take off, obviously. And then, and this is actually, I found this to be productive, on that three-hour flight, if it's early or late, you know you're going to get something to eat as opposed to having to grab something. You know, it's not like it's wonderful food, but you get something to eat. And, uh, you know, so you don't have to, like, worry too much about that. You know you're going to be taken care of. Um, So there's, you know, I mean, uh, you know, uh, on um, your average, you know, like United, we're both United guys. Is that first class cabin on a normal 737 some luxury experience? No way. Definitely not. It's not. I mean, there's nothing there very special. Um, So my only tip for folks who are looking at that is if you pay for them in advance, it can be quite pricey. If you wait until check-in, usually what they do is they continually drive the price down and they're going to try and get you at that last minute you know, using the app or whatever. And it may only be $129. It's probably about as cheap as I've ever seen it. Uh, a flight from D.C. to Denver or a flight from D.C. to L.A., 150 bucks, and to go, well, I'm going to be sitting in that chair for five hours. Mm-hmm. I can get up and down more freely. I can get something to eat. If I want to have a drink. And if I feel like I'm going to be more productive, hey, not so bad. And, and good by point. the way, you're getting off the plane first, too. So That's if you're true. in a hurry when you get there, what for whatever reason, to get going, you're gone. And the bag is a big thing for me. Um, you don't have to sweat the whole bag, you yeah. know. Race. Yeah, <laughs> the now, great overhead bin battle. And this may be another reason. So I'm in I'm in the first boarding group, even though I don't get first class. So I always get a position for my bag. That is a huge thing for me, especially when I'm carrying equipment, and I I can't check the equipment. I have to have it above my head. So when I was even in boarding group two, it can be a real battle. Everybody I saw this seems the to other be, day. Yeah, yeah. There's just too many people in boarding group. Two. And again, we're kind of talking United, but I think on any airline, they have these like fake premium boarding groups, you know, and it's right. earlier, but it's not early enough to guarantee overhead bin, especially in the front of the cabin is where it's concentrated. Everybody comes in, they shove their bag in. So your choice is, oh, I'm in row nine, but the first overhead bin space isn't free until row 15 or right. 20. Well, that's a nightmare when you get off the airplane. Yeah. You're waiting another 10 minutes for everybody else to pass you so you can run back there and get in everybody's way. It could be way worse than that if the whole, you know, because nobody ever, you know, you're fighting literally an upstream. You're swimming upstream. Exactly. And uh, it's a nightmare. So it's important, I think, you know, when you look at the seat selection to think about, do I want, you know, do I, if I want to get off the plane sooner, front of the cabin may be better. If you don't mind, you know, I think back of the cabin, there's more, takes a little longer for the bin space and things to fill up. And if you're not in a rush, maybe that's okay. You got more options. Yeah, it, you know, it goes back like 
you really start. There's a, a website called Seat Guru. Maybe you've used it before. I haven't. It has every airline has a. Um, you find the airline and you find the plane type. So when you book your flights, all that stuff is available to you, right? You can okay. know. Oh, hey, look, it's a seven fifty seven, and I'm flying United or whatever. You go to Seat Guru. You can match up the seat map and the plane type with the Seat Guru uh, seat map. And users go in and will comment on seats that are good or bad. So they'll, you know, you might get reminded that, hey, that aisle seat in the front of the cabin looks great, but the bathroom's right there, and the whole flight you're going to have people standing there waiting to use the bathroom, brushing nice. up against you. Okay. Or row 12F has no windows. Uh, for whatever reason, it's an offset window, and maybe you don't like that, right? Um, the seats in front of the uh, uh, exit row usually don't recline. Don't recline. You know, yeah. um, the seat at the back of the airplane doesn't recline. You know, just stuff like that, that if you're going to be stuck on this thing for three hours, four hours, five hours longer, if you're going international, you know, it may add up. I've heard of Sea Guru. I've never used it. I think I've just uh, learned through the school of hard knocks, which plane type is which and where I shouldn't sit because, <laughs> you memorized, of the, yeah. because of the exit row, you know, you can't lean back and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, so when you get on there, so let's assume you're able to get yourself a decent seat, yeah. right? How do you... Set yourself up. I mean, so you're going to, let's assume you're going to try to be productive, right? I mean, sometimes I think there's value in just literally saying, I'm throwing this flight away and I'm either going to sleep or relax, Something right? I'm not going to yeah. put any pressure on myself. But assuming you have work that you want to do, I mean, what's your setup? Setup is the same every time. Bag goes above my head. My carry, my, that's my overnight bag. My carry-on bag with literally all of my equipment, my entire office, laptop, Phone, headphones, uh, plugs, chargers, all that stuff goes under the seat in front of me. And I pull out the three things that I always need to get started, which is uh, a book. In my case, I have a, a Kindle. Um, my phone goes on the seat uh, right underneath my leg so I don't drop it and lose it, which I've done before. Mm. The Kindle goes in the seat back pocket. And my laptop, which happens to be a Surface Book, has a has a uh, disconnectable screen from it. It turns into a tablet. Um, and since, you know, on takeoff, you can't have uh, the full laptop out on your lap, I just take that screen off and I put that in the seat back pocket in front of me. And then I'll sit and wait. Uh, if my if my row is all taken up and everybody's sitting there, I know I can start working. You know, I'll pull the Surface Book out or I'll pull the, the Kindle out and I'll start reading. Um, uh, oh, I guess there's a fourth thing is my headphones. I keep the headphones with me too in case I want to listen to a podcast or just kind of zone out and watch some YouTube. Um, and, I, and I wait until my seats are filled up and, I, and then I just get to work. Um, so those things always come out. My, my bag is always accessible to me. I never, ever put my office bag above up my up. head because I hate getting up and everybody's looking at you when you're digging around up there wondering what the heck you're doing <laughs> trying to get your laptop out of your bag uh, I just, are you an I, aisle guy I'm an aisle guy okay. I gotta be on the aisle do you find that the aisle doesn't have much sometimes the under seat uh, space is kind of cramped I have a configuration if seat guru has something that tells you about that I would love to know because I can't I haven't figured that out sometimes the middle seat has less room yeah sometimes the aisle does I just I haven't figured it out sometimes but, it's tough to put the underneath bag right which is one of the benefits usually to the window seat is it usually has a pretty consistent does it okay. yeah okay. now you know if you have a full size so I'm the same as you I I have a bag that goes with me to the seat and yeah. it's not going up above and because I'm a window seat guy, I don't have much of a choice in the matter. Okay. I prefer okay. the window seat just like being left alone and I like being able to rest against the side of the plane if okay. I'm going to take a nap. So 
you know, the bag goes in there. <clears throat> and then the same thing, I usually just, that first, you know, from boarding to takeoff to getting to 10,000 feet, I usually have pretty low expectations for myself. I might just listen to music or relax or, you know, read something. I'm not... Sure trying to be productive because I know whatever I set up, if I set up the full thing, it's going to have to be taken back Got to take it all down. Right. Yeah. So I usually, that's my mindset is, you know, I'm not low expectations. Once yeah. you get up above that 10,000 feet, then I can, you know, start pulling the tray table out, set up the laptop. Right. And yeah, I mean, I usually can also using a surface, even though mine's now old, can fit on, you know, that little tray table. And sometimes I have to stick a magazine or something underneath it to extend the surface <laughs> a little right. bit. But, you know, I'm able to work. I mean, it's not perfect yeah. but i mean it's you can doable. get some work done you can get some work done yeah. and then of course you know then you have to hope that the wi-fi on the plane which i think now almost all of them even the regional jets are much better about that you still have to hope it works i've had a terrible experience with wi-fi i i almost never sign up for the full flight of wi-fi anymore i will do all of my work even if it's emails i'll just blow through all my unread emails i'll respond to everything that i can and it just all sits in my outbox and then if i really need it to get out the door because you know i've got a, a long drive in front of me and i won't have internet access i'll buy that 30 minute spot i don't know if it's the same on all flight carriers but at least on united you can usually buy a chunk of 30 minutes yeah which is, um, believe it or not, sometimes not always enough to get your emails out because uh, yeah, the connection can be bad. on what you're sending too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I can, you know, let all the emails rip. I can, you know, maybe surf for a, for a few minutes or check in on Facebook or whatever else. Um, but I've just, I've had so many bad experiences with the Wi-Fi where I'm sitting there literally realizing that I've wasted an hour and a half of my flight when I was trying to be productive, just trying to get the internet connection to work. And I, it's it, it can be frustrating. Can be, and, and I think so. I think the main takeaway there is, you know, you need to have a pretty good strategy to be able to do. If you have really important things to do, you need to make sure you're prepared to work on it with no network. Uh, Absolutely. I cannot tell you how many times, you know, after they boarded, they said, "Sorry, it's not working today." It's not working. Yeah. And there is no recourse, right? I mean, there is no backup plan. Yeah. If it's just not working, or even if it is working. I've definitely paid and it's super clunky right. and it's just not for whatever reason, it's a bad day for it or it's overloaded based on usage. And I, it's not, I mean, even just getting to a basic website is barely functioning. Right. So if you relying on it, you're probably asking for trouble. Maybe in another couple of years we'll get past that, but for now it's a risk factor. And I agree. It's like strategize to do as much as you can locally. And then maybe in the last hour, I've definitely only bought the last two hours or hour. Yeah. You know, knowing, hey, if it works, great. If it doesn't, it's okay. It's okay. Um, it's not like the end of the world. Yeah. Well, and, and frankly, there is something to be said about sort of disconnecting for a little while, right? And letting your head sort of settle into itself and not be constantly distracted by the notifications and the emails and all that. So if you go into the flight just sort of knowing that, even if they have Wi-Fi on the flight... And you just go in knowing, you know what, I'm not going to use Wi-Fi. I'm going to maybe blow through some emails and then I'm going to sit and think about, you know, my business or whatever it might be. That time when you're not getting blasted with notifications can be welcome because we don't have that very often anymore when we're not on a flight. That's a great point. It's almost so, like a built-in quiet. Built-in quiet work time. Done, you know, yeah. focus on some things when people can't. Yeah. You know, you are inaccessible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can't be paying. Nobody's calling you. For a legitimate reason. Yeah, yeah right. You're, you're in the air. <laughs> and you may not have a choice anyway, like we yeah. said. Yeah. Now, are you, uh, you know, I think everybody is desperate these days. You see everybody, you know, huddled around the gate trying to power everything up. 
Do you bring backup power on just oh, in yeah. case? Oh, there's a battery in my bag. Okay. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Like one of those USB ones that'll recharge your it's stuff? It's a double it USB like a... charger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm probably rolling the dice on that because, again, most of the flights, you know, that I take usually have power accessible. Okay. But I will tell you, just the other day, again, got on that for whatever reason, that outlet Sometimes didn't work. it doesn't work. Just doesn't work. Yeah. And uh, they've, you know, they, they don't want you having it plugged in during takeoff and landing and stuff like that. So depending on how long your flight is, there may not be that much... Yeah. You know, opportunity. So I, you know, I, I think it's gotten better. I mean, b- between where it was 10 years ago, power on the airplanes, Wi-Fi, light years ahead, but still not perfect solutions. And you, you do need oh, yeah. to back. Now I maximize my power and I have a, a routine that I go through before I get on a flight. I power up my noise canceling headphones. I power up my charging brick, the USB charging brick. I power up all my laptops. And before I leave for the airport, I put them in hibernate, not sleep. So they're actually totally shut off. Um, and I'm not, I'm not draining any energy. I'm just assuming that there's not going to be power on the flight. And uh, and that, I don't know, that's just that's a probably safety mechanism. Yeah, yeah safety I think mechanism. I probably uh, maybe need to take a tip on that one because I don't have a backup power. I have a little tiny little stick that I'll throw in there sometimes. But I'm okay. not real sure. I mean, it might charge my phone up a little bit. Oh, yeah. No, but... my, my brick will charge my phone two and a half times over again. It... So... <laughs> oh, man, I need to look at that. Yeah. And if I could find a, a reasonably sized one that would actually power my laptop, I'd have it in my bag too, but I haven't been able to find one. So. Well, and then, you know, if you do choose to either use the flight to either relax and just watch a movie or something or sleep, you know, I mean, obviously, from a power perspective, you know, a lot of the airlines now offer some kind of free entertainment that you can yeah, watch sure. on your device. So you obviously you preload stuff, bring what you want, whatever. But they drain the battery really fast when you're watching movies and stuff. Over I mean, Wi-Fi, they, yeah. Yeah, or even just, you know, whatever, the screen's running and it's yeah. starting to drain a little bit. So, uh, and that's another thing, when you book your flight, most of the airlines now do a good job of telling you what is or isn't available. Right? Yeah. And some regional carriers may not have Wi-Fi on that flight, or there may be no entertainment options whatsoever. Some have the seatback stuff that's free. Some have the app stuff that's free. Some it's pay. I mean, yeah. I just, I prefer to know. So usually when I book, I look at the amenities and I, I, You're you know, a I master. know what my options are. Yeah, I, I know how to find all the little the You're a master of info. knowing what's going to be on that flight before you get on. I just sort of walk on assuming nothing and take, <laughs> take, I take what's good. Very low expectations for the flight. And if I get some Wi-Fi, then I'm happier than I you know would have been before. But, uh, but you can look all that stuff up. And I know that just because of you <laughs> yeah. looking at the app and yeah, like a psycho about it, literally yeah. being able to find anything about the flight. And if you do that, you can legitimately plan out, you know, what your flight's going to look like. You can, you can uh, decide if you want to, you know, I mean, sometimes that movie you want to watch is just going to be there waiting for you for free, you know, on the right. app, you know, other times you, it's not there and you know, I've already, I've flown so much recently that I've seen every crappy show they have to offer and it, they update the content every month. So if I want to be distracted, I got to bring something. Okay. I've burned through anything I'm willing to watch. That they See, have to and I, I often get, I often get upset because I'll look and be like, oh, you know, I was going to watch that Batman versus Superman movie and now it's no longer there. I, I watched that one on a plane. <laughs> I watched all those bad, you know, uh, there was a whole series of like mediocre, uh, you know, superhero action movies like Suicide Squad and oh, right. whatever the latest Captain America or X-Men and yeah. all those. Oh, I watched them all. In watched them Every all. one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've missed them all. Yeah, you're not missing much. They're okay. <laughs> now, what about, so if you do make the decision, if you're, let's say you're gat, you're just so tired, right? And you're having a hard time staying awake, whatever reason. Yeah. And you, you said, you know, I need to sleep. Are you able to get yourself comfortable and catch yeah, the on a flight? I am. Um, I can, I can usually zonk out if I don't have anything, but I've started, especially for the West Coast trips, I actually will carry melatonin with me so I can keep on a sleep schedule and I don't screw myself up when I get back. 
So if I need to sleep and overseas, if you do any overseas travel, that's I would consider that a necessity. I've also started carrying a uh, roll-up uh, neck pillow. It's like a memory foam, but I it kind of squinches yeah, down you really can squinch small. it and then it, it grows into it. It grows nice in, yeah. yeah. Sometimes it takes so long to grow, you wonder if it works. But it works, and I'll put that thing on. I'll put my noise-canceling headphones in. Um, recently, I've just started putting the noise-canceling headphones in because I just feel less stressed when I get off the flight. Just all that sound just hammering you for hours. Yes. Those they, are just, the best in... It's exhausting. That's the best investment of all, by the way. It's huge. For anybody who flies at yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, whatever brand you choose to get. Get them, whatever. Make, make sure they're comfortable, though, because when you want to sleep, if you got some heavy headsets weighing you down and you're trying to lay your head back That's and get true, some rest. That's true, which I do. I have the big dogs. I have do you? Over ear, yeah. That's right. Yeah. I used to have those, but I mean, they're some are fine and some are heavy. Just try them out. But uh, yeah, I'll put the neck pillow on. I'll put the headset in, the, uh, turn the noise canceling on, and I don't sleep great, but I can... I can get some sleep in, so at least I'm not a complete disaster if I'm taking a red eye home. Well, uh, it's funny. I remember deplaning or, you know, getting off a red eye one time and went down to baggage claim and everybody's all bleary eyed standing there. And, you know, in a moment of just standing there, sheer boredom waiting for the bags to come, a conversation, you know, strikes up between me and some other guy. And I said, oh, man, you know, did you sleep on that flight at all? And he goes, yeah. It's great. I said, yeah, how'd you manage that? He goes, oh, I take an Ambien every time I fly. Oh. <laughs> I like, That'll do it. Ah, okay. I mean, <laughs> but it's a risky move, right? Because if you don't fall asleep, you know, I yeah. don't know what happens. You go crazy or yeah. something. Yeah, if they got to turn around or, you know, if you're on an Ambien and, you know, the front wheels come up and all of a sudden they slam on the brakes. That's, then... <laughs> that's exactly it, right? Yeah, they abort that takeoff and now you're, you know, passed out on the, the floor. But that's right. I, I agree. I mean, it's it's tough. I've always had a hard time uh, getting comfortable I cannot sleep on my back. And so that whole thing of like, you know, people crossing their arms and leaning back and going to sleep just oh. is a no-go for me. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's why, you know, I like the, I, uh, excuse me, the window seat because I can take that neck pillow. I, I conform it to my own needs. Oh, okay. And I kind of sleep on it. You know, I snuggle it and I <laughs> lean against the uh, window. But it doesn't always work. And sometimes yeah. depending on the seat configuration, it's weird. It's uncomfortable. Uh, and I really have struggled with that. I've gotten better just out of sheer volume and necessity yeah, and just right. exhaustion. There's been times where I didn't even realize I fell asleep kind of thing. You know, yeah. woke up and was like, oh my God, where, where am I? Yeah, yeah, kind of thing. And then you're kind of happy because it's like, wow, I just burned an hour or whatever it <laughs> yeah, was. exactly. But, uh, you know, I think I actually saw uh, an article the other day. You can buy, I mean, there's all sorts of contraptions out there. The neck pillow. Yeah. There's the inflatable neck pillow. Yeah. Um, you know, there's all sorts. I actually saw a thing that you hook it to the seat and it literally goes around your head like a headband so that you can lean forward like this and it holds your head there. No kidding. And, you know, I'm looking at that going, man, I mean, that might be great, but you look like like you're in traction, you know. See, I don't, I don't know, know if it's worth I'm, it. I'm too tall, even in economy plus. Sometimes it works in first class because you have more leg room in front of you. But put the, the seat back tray down in front of you and then just sort of... You know, sleep like you're 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 in grade school, like sleeping on your desk. You know, while the teacher's yeah, teaching. Yeah, and that works for a little while, but it's so something's gonna go to sleep. You know, your arms hitting on the rest. <clears throat> yeah. you're gonna get the circulation cut yeah. off. Or and, the guy uh, in front of you, you know, throw a seat yeah, back, and you're getting seat around, pounded in the head. With right. It. Yeah, you get your skull cracked open. Yeah. Actually, uh, as a just a quick side rant, I will say this because I've been spending way too much time uh, flying lately. Look. I, I I don't think I think the era of wearing a three piece suit on a flight is long gone. Yeah. Okay. But there is something to be said about the slightest degree of just like I don't want to say professionalism. I mean, who cares if you're a small business owner traveling? I mean, it doesn't matter how you look. But you know, I I guess I, I now I'm going to sound a little picky, but 
just even like dressing in a, a clean, you know, I mean, you're going to be sitting <laughs> right. next to people and, you know, they're spilling into your seat and they're taking their shoes off and kicking their feet out and stuff. Yeah. And, and it's like, man, I mean, I get it. Like you have a right to your seat, but at the same time, like, there's a little oh, too much chow, man, you get a little too comfortable over here. A little you know? too much comfort in public, right? You're still yeah. in public, you know, even though you're, you're in, in public. A, yeah. yeah. Why do yeah. the standards get loosened? You know, and um, uh, I'm a little old school in that way. I don't wear the suit or anything, but I do like to. I don't know, just something about, you know, looking good when I'm feeling good when I go to the airport yeah. by dressing up a little bit. Not a lot. I wear jeans and stuff. Yeah, but, I wear um, jeans, but at least like maybe like a sh- some kind of a button down. I mean, just I don't look like I just crawl out of the gutter. I'm not wearing know? a tank top. Maybe a blazer. <laughs> yeah, like my skin is mostly covered so you don't have to touch me or look at me, you know. And right. The shoes one, again, I know. Sometimes I wonder, why don't you buy shoes that are not horribly uncomfortable? But I get it, you know, whatever. The guy next to me on my flight the other day kicked his shoes off first thing and I'm just like... <laughs> okay, this is how it's going to be, I guess, you know. But I, you, you should. I mean, it is frustrating when you're going to spend that much time on a flight. You paid for your seat and, you you know, I mean, just basic levels of, you know, respect would be nice. And sometimes yeah. people are spilling into your seat and banging you and stuff. Then there's a whole huge debate on should you ever recline your seat? There's a whole school oh, of thought the out there that says you shouldn't. Now, I think if I paid for my seat... You know, I should be able to lean it back. I don't think you should slam it back, but, you know, I think you could do it, you know, gently just in case. That gently bring it back. Maybe they have their laptop out there and you don't want to slam your seat. Yeah. But I've always been to the school of thought. I paid for the seat if I want to recline it some. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm going to do it. And the guy in front of me isn't going to think twice about doing it to me. Yeah, right. Right. I lean my seat back all the time. In fact, I almost <laughs> lean, my, I, I lean my seat back almost all of the time. Uh, as soon as you hit that 10,000, and people are going to hate me for this, but as soon as I hit 10,000 uh, feet and they, they ring the bell, yeah. I go straight back slowly, respectfully to the person behind me, but yeah. my seat's back all the time. It's just and more comfortable. I, I, I think what helps is, you know, at least being in the front, like these expanded economy it's not such a big deal it's not a big deal i will admit like on some plane configurations if you put your seat back and you're you know in the standard seats it literally can push into the person you're in their lap their thing or yeah touch their knees depending and so i you know it's it's a sticky situation yeah 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 so uh what is your backup right so i mean let's say you you're at the airport um you get the plane you know you get on the plane whatever mechanical problem weather problem you know, what do you do? I mean, how do you dig yourself out of these terrible situations that show up? It's, uh, so I use a service, um, and it's a, it is a paid service, uh, through my business and I can call them, um, as long as I've booked the flights through them and they will go and take care of rescheduling. Um, now it's not a lot of money. I think it's 30 bucks per booking to do that. Uh, and you rarely use it, but if you're in a real sticky situation, it can be helpful because you can, you know, call them when you're in your rental car and you realize you're going to miss your flight and just say, look, can you look something up for me and give me a couple options? And they'll find all the options for you and say, you know, we can put you on standby here and book you on this one in case you miss that. That can be helpful. Um, if I'm doing it on my own because I didn't book through that service, uh, I'm typically calling the customer service and never getting in the customer service line. Um, unless I have customer service on the phone and I'm waiting, I'm, I'm, if I need to, if I really need to get somewhere, I'll go to the line. Uh, but you know, if your flight's canceled, there's going to be a hundred people in front of you, even yes. if you run to it. Um, 
So even if I do have to get in the line, I'm on the phone with customer service, um, waiting on hold there, waiting and hold on the line, whatever it is, whoever picks up first or whoever I get to first can help me in the same way I found. Yes, that's, uh, that's a, I think that's a great tip. I mean, I think people think that, or maybe, I don't know, maybe they just don't realize that when you're on the phone with a representative, they have the same yeah. tools, you know, information that the person at the gate, the person at the gate probably knows you're coming up. Yeah. You know, if there was a cancellation, but, right. you know, the people on the phone can usually provide all the same resources and options. Exactly. And I learned that. Whatever comes first, you know. Yeah. And I learned that while waiting in line. I was just waiting in this huge line of people and everybody, you know, the flight was canceled. We're all waiting to get to the, the gate uh, or to the customer service desk. And I've got people all around me that are on the phone and they're like, oh, good. And then they would just leave. Leave the line. Yeah. And I'm like, what's those happening Those guys were here? a little ahead of the game. Right? They were ahead of the game. And, uh, and I realized after two of those people left the line that they had figured their problem out with customer service online. And so I just keep, you know, I just keep my flights. Uh, in my case, I'm a United guy. So I just keep the United customer service number in there so I can say, you know, I got to be careful here because my phone will do it. Hey, Siri, call United <laughs> and, yeah, and it'll do it. It just goes. Um, and, and there is something to be said for that because let's assume, you know, all the same people that were on that same flight are competing with you. Maybe, you know, there might be two other later flights that only have a handful of empty seats. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you're literally competing with these people to get those seats. Absolutely. And if you can get on the phone before them while they're stuck in line, I mean, sorry, you know, you got to take every little advantage you can. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I would say, I mean, you know, we, we, we both being living here, deal with United a lot. The app is phenomenal. It um, is. You know, I know everybody is killing these airlines and United right now for bad customer service and, you know, for dragging people off planes and brutalizing them <laughs> and stuff and if you and I think a big part of it is knowing your rights, knowing your options, and knowing what tools you do have. You give yourself the most power. You're still going to get screwed. Right. There's still going to be you're you're going to get screwed. You're going to get moved out of your seat. You're going to be asked. I mean, I've had we've all had these things happen. You know? Absolutely. Um, you uh, a colleague of mine was telling me that because of some situation, he had purchased an economy plus seat on United, and the, the gate agent boarded the plane and said, "You need to move to the back of the plane." Oh, wow. And he said, this is crazy. I booked that a seat assignment. And they said, sorry, something's changed. you got to go. It's either that or you get off, right? So presented with a very similar situation, no yeah. compensation offered, no, not even a drink ticket or anything. Um, I, he knew that in that moment, that even though as much as that absolutely stunk and seemed unfair, that they were within their rights. And if he wanted to go, that was his best option. Right. You know, could he call and complain, you know, ask for some kind of compensation? Absolutely. But he also in the moment had to balance that out with this is my best option. And I yeah. could, you know, do I want to I get to end up going? with security kicking my ass and dragging me off the plane. Right. <laughs> right. You know, he had to go. Yeah. It really feels unfair. And, you know, you can complain about the industry. But in the moment, knowing that, you know, maybe you're better off not raising a huge fuss, you know, take that frustration to customer service afterwards. Yeah. You know. Um, so, cause you know, ultimately he got to where he needed to go and yeah. didn't get, you know, thrown off the plane. Right. Um, so, you know, knowing what your rights are, I mean, I think, you know, sometimes being savvy, knowing if the flight's fully booked, I mean, most of the airlines you can look, um, at least the major carriers, you know, not like on a Southwest, but you can see, is this a really crowded flight? Like, uh, could yeah. there be issues, you know, yeah. um, understanding that. Um, and then the app, uh, little things like being able to switch your flight, depending on, you know, depends, some of it depends on your status and things like that. But potentially within 24 hours, it's often at no cost or a minimal cost mm -hmm. as opposed to a full change fee. Mm -hmm. um, so if there's something wrong with the flight, you can quickly get on and just change to a later flight yourself. No agent right within involved. The app. Yeah, right yeah. there. Bang. You know, you just switch yourself to another flight. Um, I've done that before. Um, and then definitely, even if you're on the plane calling the customer service, not when you're flying, but, you know, on the ground, if something seems wrong, 
start making your calls now. Um, you know, I, I've done that before. They, you know, uh oh, we have a mechanical issue. Don't worry, it's going to be an hour. That's a good I'm idea. Going, I don't know about that. So I called, and sometimes they'll actually book you, and they'll give you multiple boarding passes. Oh wow! So I've been booked on three different flights at the same time, and I don't know how that works on the back end. I don't really care. I just knew that I, if this doesn't work, I am going to walk over to that gate and get on that flight right. So there. you're ready to go. I'm ready to go before, I have a plan before you even know if there's a problem. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you know, if you call and there's really no legitimate delay, I think they're going to tell you what are you doing. But yeah. I mean, you know, when there's issues that are known, and you know, the plane, the status starts to change to delayed. You can call and see. Just it doesn't hurt to ask and see what they might be able to do for you. And if you don't make those other flights, it means you just well. Now you're going to be staying in the airport. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, or or I've been on. I had that happen once or twice, and I ended up staying on the original. So, (laughs) so yeah, I think you know, you know, if you're going to go stand in the customer service line, that's fine. Or try and flight to get to your spot at the gate, but you know, use the phone. Um, You know, use the phone to your advantage. Use the app to your advantage, and you might be able to get a little bit ahead of the game and get yourself home that day. Yeah. Instead of the next day. Right. And there's something to that. So just a couple more uh, things. Uh, you know, I don't know if anybody's hung with us this long or we're providing some helpful tips, but just a couple other things uh, that can make your life easier. I think you're really a carry-on guy. Oh, big time. Rarely check your bag. Oh, right? I hate checking my bags. Okay. I hate checking my bags. I hate taking the time to check the bags. I hate taking the time to pick up the bags. Uh, I just like keeping everything in my control and, and in my sight. And I just know that I have it and I can run off the plane and go exactly where I need to go without having to wait. So I used to have the exact same strategy, uh, but it got challenged by a couple, you know, trips that exceeded, you know, like a full week. Okay. And so we're talking about multiple suits. And I had a couple where I'd keep moving from site to site. So it was one flight, but then drives in between, which made it really hard to pack. Efficiently, okay. right? Because I'm having to pack and unpack. Yeah. So the bigger bag just made sense. And I will say that if you're willing to get to the airport just a few minutes earlier and checking your bag does not have to be a hassle again, you know, if you, if you have airline status, usually there's very short lines. Yeah. If you don't, you can usually do, you know, a, 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 what do you call it? The roadside, you know, check your bag. And you don't always have to stand in those long, horrible lines. A lot of the airlines are better about having the kiosks where you can easily just check it and you just walk up and stick it on the thing. You print out your own. Um, luggage tag, right? Yeah. So it's not so bad, I think, as it used to be. And then I will say there is a freedom to, once it's checked, just knowing that, you know, maybe you have your carry-on bag, that's it. Not having to drag everything with you. don't have yet. to worry. And that way, if you're in boarding group two, three, four, you know, X, Y, Z, who cares? You can take a little more time. You can be the last person on the plane. doesn't matter. Grab a drink. Yeah, yeah. You're right. I've actually done that when my bag is checked. I'm going, you know what? I don't care when I get on that plane. Yeah. I can literally be the last person and there's no cost to me, right? There's yeah. no anxiety. So it's not the worst. And um, now, again, the worst part is when you get off, usually you're going to have to wait. Um, some of the airports are pretty efficient. Maybe you only wait 10 or 15 minutes. No big deal. But... You know, if you're used to rolling off the plane and walking straight to your rental car or your cab or shuttle, yeah. it hurts to stand there. You feel oh, like you're man. wasting time. I'd be almost more inclined to FedEx my clothes to the, <laughs> to the hotel location. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to each his own. <laughs> Some people do that. Now, and you you obviously, uh, I think, as well as, our, uh, as well as I, are a big fan of the pre-check. I mean, anything you can do to cut down the security piece. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, pre-check is, is huge. Uh, it was just given to me by my status, and I found the wonders of it. Uh, Pretty amazing. It's not always open. Um, I've uh, found a couple times I've gotten to the airport, walked to the pre-check line, it's expecting. Not on your pass. Yeah, uh, you should oh, be able to see it on there. 
you should see it on your boarding pass. Um, in this case, the, the lines aren't always open, right? They have certain oh, hours. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. And I realized then that I had accounted for so much time to get through pre-check and had not accounted for so much time to get through the regular lines and ended up having to run pretty quickly to do that. So you got to kind of know uh, at least a little bit about how the airport works that you're going to to make sure that they pre-check is actually is it open? open. Right. Sometimes it's not open super early in the morning. Yeah. Is it on my boarding pass? All and then that. some of them have the whole thing where it's all one line, like a right. smaller regional airport. Yeah, there's a pre-check line, but all they do is funnel you into the regular line, and then right. they give you a piece of paper that says you can keep your shoes on. You keep your shoes on. Well, it still changes things because now you're stuck in the bigger line, and you still do need to do other things like take your laptop and stuff out. Exactly. And, and you know, not a big deal, but hey, if you're down to the wire, five minutes, ten minutes can really start to add up. Yeah, and I'm kind of a down-to-the-wire kind of a traveler, so if I'm the last person uh, walking onto at least boarding group one or two so I can get my bag in the overhead, then I'm a happy camper. Yeah, the just-in-time <laughs> traveler. Yeah. And, and the only thing, I mean, so I think everybody I've ever known would say, you know, if pre-check costs like 80, if you want to do the formal enrollment, you fill out a form. It's actually easy. You go to the airport. It's actually easy and quick. Believe it or not, you know, they've done a good job with the bureaucracy. Okay. And I think it's like 85 bucks for five years. I mean, it really, I can't, you know, we talk about trying to like get good ROI on things or whatever. I mean, this was worth every That's penny. a huge ROI. And so far, even though my formal enrollment doesn't guarantee you 100%, I, I knock on wood, you know, I've never not gotten a pre-check yeah. since I enrolled. Yeah. Um, the other one, and, and oh, by the way, like if you're traveling through Atlanta or Chicago or Denver, Dallas not so bad. No, right? Dallas, Dallas is, is a pretty tame airport, all things considered. National is a pretty tame airport, all yeah. things considered. But Houston, Atlanta is the worst. Um, even the pre-check lines are miles long. <laughs> right. And I can't, I've seen literally what looks like thousands of people in the security line. I and I just, it's unfathomable. Yeah. Well, remember when we were in Atlanta together? Oh, yeah, and, that's and right. And you got pre-checked. You got set in different directions, And right? I didn't. And uh, you didn't make it that. I don't think I, that was not the best. Yeah, I'm not sure I had some super efficient experience that time. Yeah, you weren't that far ahead of me, I don't think. So. But it can be disastrous. Yeah. Um, so those are, you know, options. And then there's that whole clear thing that they're trying to hawk at some airports. Never used that before. So just as, I, I'm not sure the value's there. Uh, if anybody's interested, it's more expensive. It's more like $100 a year and it's mm-hmm. privately managed. It's not like TSA, which is a federal program. It's not at it's all a airports. a private company. It's not at all airports. Right. Now, if you do have it, what they do is instead of making you, basically you're bypassing the agent check. So they put you to the front of the line. You're basically paying to go straight to the front of security. Gotcha. Um, but you're also letting a private company have your fingerprint and some biometric data so that they can do that for you. You got to be comfortable with all that. You got to be comfortable with that. And then, you know, if you're flying maybe weekly, you might want to shell out the extra money. But I'm, I'm, you know, now it's getting back to that ROI. Like, yeah, if I'm spending whatever it is that a hundred bucks a year, it's going to save me the five minutes. I only usually wait in the pre-check line, 10 minutes. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I mean, some people that may be worth it, but it's very limited. And I actually think they've closed it down at a few airports because there wasn't enough business. Hmm. Okay. Um, last, uh, last kind of thought. Um, you know me. I am, um, even though they're not great, I definitely feel like I've gotten my money's worth out of the whole airline club investment. Oh, you know, the yeah. old United club. I haven't uh, been able to pull the trigger. So it's usually going to cost you around four or 500 bucks. Sometimes you can do it with a credit card. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll just make the case where I've gotten value out of it. And for folks who, again, who are trying to that, you're going to be stuck in the airport. So yeah. the whole situation where um, I'm on the West Coast, my client work is done at two o'clock and I'm taking a red eye. And what am I going to really go? You know, if I have a rental car, I guess I can go somewhere else. But, you know, it's just like, I'm just going to go to the airport. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, what's the advantage? 
you know, many of them have desks, you know, like little cubicles you can sit in and plug in. Mm -hmm. um, that to me is a benefit over sitting in a gate or even in a restaurant, yeah. right? Because um, you can set everything up you want to set up. Right. Um, do they have great food? No. I mean, I've been in the Admirals Club with America and I've been uh, many times I've been in you know, different United Kind clubs. of snacky food, right? It's snacky. I was a little jealous uh, recently traveling with friends who had the Admirals Club and they actually, some of them have menus. So you can, you can oh, order wow. food. Sometimes you have to pay for that. That's considered premium food. Okay. But at least if you wanted, like the United Club, if I wanted a sandwich, there is no such thing. I have right. to eat the, you know, the soup and the carrots and the bread and the, <laughs> right. you know, the salad. The it's peanut a pretty mix. weak spread. Yeah, it's pretty weak. Um, but, you know, um, low-level alcohol is free, a beer, you know, house wine, uh, a regular mixed drink. So if you're looking to relax... Um, you know, uh, I traveled the day, last day of the Masters. They had it on all the TVs in there, which is oh, kind of nice. nice okay. You know, yeah. uh, you can usually get a decent seat. Um, some of them, beware, are very overcrowded. Mm -hmm. And you get in and it's more slammed and it's almost as uncomfortable. Now, is that depending on the airport? Yes, it depends. Some of the airports have very nice, like LAX just redid their United Club. It's massive. There's no way right now they can fill it up. So you're going to be able to find a spot. Um, and it's at least relatively clean and new. You know, in some of the Dulles terminals, they're redoing some of them, but they're older Okay. Um, and they're just packed. So really? you walk in and it's like there's nowhere to sit. Oh, yeah. So what's the point? You might as well be out. You might as well be out. And, yeah. the, and the, you know, it's like a, a nicer bathroom. Well, some of them don't even have a nicer bathroom or a place to change. Um, in Houston, they actually have one of the clubs has showers oh, wow. and a place to change. So, I mean, you know, there's a little That's more a marginal deal. value there, right? <laughs> um, so I would just say if you probably travel more than 10 times a year flying. And in those 10 times, you think there's going to be a couple hours that you're going to be sitting in those airports. You're probably walking the line on value. Because, okay. you know, uh, if you imagine yourself sitting down in a restaurant, spending 30 bucks, 40 bucks to kill a couple hours, and you're buying food and drinks. It only takes 10 of those to cover the it cost It only takes of 10 of those. And now, membership. right, and then you can, sometimes you can print in the clubs. They have printers. Um, hmm. Oh, and by the way, there's usually very good customer service if you do need to mess with your flight. And they're kind of like... The best of the best. That is true. So there's value in that too. That is true. And you can usually bring two guests with no additional cost. That's the only few times that I've been in the clubs is with guests. Yeah. <laughs> One of them with you. And, and it was great. I mean, I, right. we I think sat we're there in Atlanta, and... which is a very small club yeah. um, and very no frills and just snacks, not a lot of room, but it was still, I think, better than having yeah, to kill sit. five hours in the gate. You Get know. some work done, you know, have a beer, look out the window, watch the planes. Yeah, that's was, what we literally did. Nice yeah, yeah. Remember that one had a serve yourself a beer tap. That's right. Yeah. Which was kind of cool. <laughs> so I would just say, you know, for those of you guys, like, you know, it's nothing great. I think some people think it's some wonderful, like, oh, you know, in the class. Ah, you know, some of the first class lounges and stuff really do have nice, but for us everyday Joes, you know, it's not that great, but I think there's a productivity. I think uh, if you find yourself connecting a lot. Uh, different connections between different flights it could be really beneficial absolutely yeah that was me in houston the other day two yeah. and a half hours three hours to kill sat oh, yeah. down fired it up did some actual work yeah got enough to eat to be happy and moved on with my working wi-fi and, 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 and <laughs> yes and they do have good working wi-fi yeah right they know that that's like crucial that's so crucial that's, that's yeah. actually working <laughs> yeah all right so uh, any uh, last thoughts on uh you know one last question i guess for you is uh you know, we both live near a hub, and so we stick with one airline. Yeah. Do you find it's worth it to you to try and, you know, stay with that one airline uh, in order to build up some status and miles versus, you know, shopping around more and trying to save a couple bucks or maybe driving to I an airport? I find it's much more useful to just stick with one airline. And I, I rarely spend my flight miles. I know you can go and, and do online shopping. You can buy stereo equipment. You can buy other flights. You can book hotel rooms with your miles. 
I, I don't think I've used that more than once or twice. Um, and that was just to, to have some friends come visit us so they didn't have to pay and we didn't have to pay. Um, but the real uh, kicker for me is sticking with one airline is the status, right? You just, over time, you build up status. Um, they, you know, treat you, I want to say they treat a you a little, little bit better. A little bit better. A little um, better, They yeah. treat you how they should, maybe. Is yeah, the, probably, is the right way to say yeah. It. <laughs> the minimum basic level of respect. Yeah. yeah, and I get the things that are important to me, like I said before, you know, being able to throw my bag in the overhead, um, yep. being able to get on or the flight plane. a little bit earlier, getting a little extra leg room in United, it's Economy Plus, and other flights is different. Right, um, and that adds up because if you're buying Economy Plus without the status... They usually want to charge 59, 69, yeah. 75 bucks, sometimes even more than that per seat. And, you know, I mean, again, if you're going to fly five, ten times and you really want to pay for that, that adds up. It, gets it adds up quick. So there is value in that. Absolutely. I would say, I mean, there's a couple other small things, you know, um, uh, better customer service number uh, for people who have status, yeah, right? There's absolutely. There's a premier yeah. desk and they help too. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, if you're smart, if you're one of those people that really does want to maximize it, if you line up your credit card points with your shopping points with your miles um, and you pay attention to things like fair class and premier qualifying miles if you kind of learn the language of that you really can i mean you can build up several hundred thousand uh, miles to buy award tickets yeah and if you're smart you maximize your chance to carry status forward with the qualifying miles and in into future years so i mean for folks who aren't versed in that i would recommend you definitely need to know how the airline does it and the difference between the miles that go towards buying future tickets and yep. what are the limitations on those? Some airlines are better than others versus the ones that actually qualify for you for status, which one you have to fly. You got to fly. Or you can buy them, but they are very expensive. <laughs> yes, um, they it are. may be, you know, $5,000 to buy, you know, 10,000 qualifying miles. And even those only come in, you know, you have to buy them at certain levels. I'm sure there's an argument for it, but I've never been able to justify buying extra miles. It's if, you know, I think uh, back in the day, people would make a mileage run, you know, uh, they have 95,000 miles at the end of the year. December and they're yeah. like, oh man, if I get to 1K, I'll, you know, have fancy status. So they would book like a round trip ticket to Europe. Well, I mean, if you're going to do that, you could, again, like United offers, you can purchase premier qualifying miles tied to a ticket. Yeah. So it's like a booster, if you will. Yeah. Would you rather spend, you know, the money and not have to take the flight and waste all that time? But still get your status. But still go over the hump. So yeah. I would say if you see yourself tracking towards a specific goal that you want to hit and you're falling just a little short, maybe it's worth 500 bucks or whatever it is for the whole next year. For the whole year, yeah. Right. Maybe, you know, if it's the difference between getting boarding group one and increasing your chances of upgrades and, you know, getting the seat assignments you want that and be worth check-in. I mean, again, the whole, I think one of the major themes we wanted to hit on was your time has value. And if you can make these things a little less painful and a little more productive and just the headache factor goes down a little bit, that's worth money sometimes. Yeah. Airports um, are stressful places. So if you can reduce as much of that as possible, that's a huge thing. Exactly. Yeah. More productive, less stressful, and more likely to get to your destination when you need to be there. Right? <laughs> exactly. really and get home when you need to get and home. Get, get home when you need to get home. So, yeah. um, all right. Well. Uh, anything else you want to add with your uh, many, many years of uh, painful and hard-earned flying experience? No, I think that's it. I mean, just you know, plan for uh, plan for the event whenever it is. Uh, try and maximize your time and uh, and get home as safely as you can. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. My closing thought would just be: don't you know? Sometimes it's worth it to uh, you know spend those couple extra bucks to be on the right flight for you, be in the right seat, 
and make sure you have access to a place to good place to work and things like that so you're comfortable so so next time we can do a whole other one on hotels we can do another one on cars we got all sorts of tips and tricks (laughs) that go into those too but uh, for now uh, hopefully you guys found that to be uh, at least entertaining if not useful and uh, hope to have you guys back listen to our next podcast on modern da vinci see you next time